Hello, Choose Love Movement podcast audience. How are you? My name is Scarlett Lewis, and I am the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. We offer a no-cost social and emotional learning program that is for the lifespan, teaching how to have healthy relationships, meaningful connections, how to manage your emotions, how to be resilient to things that are expected in life, difficulties, and even some things that aren't. And this directly relates to a conversation that we're going to have today. I'm so excited to have Debbie Bobetsky with me this morning. I met Debbie during one of my presentations, and she very courageously contacted me and said, I am a former bully. She gave me some insights into how that happened. So I thought, wow, this would be an incredible podcast because up until now, (laughs) and I think it is changing, but we have focused on the bullying behavior. And this has been in our programming in schools. It's been in our legislation. And what have we seen? We've seen this bullying behavior escalate. In fact, bullying has increased by 21% since we started officially tracking it in 2003. And that is just traditional bullying. That has nothing to do with cyberbullying, which we really don't even have a handle on yet. And that takes bullying to the next level because it takes it from just happening as an in-person, person-to-person experience to something that can happen anonymously and 24 hours a day. It's interesting to me, if you look at government statistics on stopbullying.gov, it looks like bullying is decreasing. But when you look at the Hetchinger Report, which is actually a nonprofit that harnesses student perceptions, to help K through 12 educators accelerate improvements in their schools and classrooms, students are saying that it's increasing. So Debbie, thank you so much for joining us this morning to give us some unique insights from a former bully. Uh, You're welcome, Scarlett. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to share my story here. I've always thought it's so important for people to reach out to those who bully with compassion and, and understanding. So when I heard you say on that WMUR Project Community Program that you were angry for Adam Lanza, the boy who murdered your son, and not at him, you know, I immediately thought, wow, she gets it. So I knew I had to reach out to you. For years, I've kind of been standing by watching as these anti-bullying programs focus only on helping the victim while still punishing the bully, just as they did when I was a kid and bullied Mm -hmm. others. A friend of mine told me recently, she said, hurt people hurt people. And that really struck me because, I mean, it says it all, but people still don't get that. No, they don't. Because I think naturally what we want to do when something happens to us is we want to blame and we want to find fault, right? And it's really interesting how our mind works. If we don't have all the facts in a situation, which of course, It would be really hard to do because most of the time you probably don't know the history and background and family life of a bully. You make them up 
right in your mind and you have a good guy and a bad guy and of course you're usually the good guy and the other guy's the bad guy but in a bullying situation that's not enough there has to be investigation into why the bully bullies because we know kids are born gravitating towards compassion kids are not born bullies they're not born mass murderers either <laughs> this is what right. i say about right. adam lanza they're cultivated into what they become by their environment and so you really have to understand the backstory and there's that great quote that if you knew everything about a person what they've been through and encountered from their birth uh throughout their life there's no way that you could hate anyone in fact you could only love someone if that was the case Debbie you know you have admitted that you were a bully in school is that right that's correct so why did you do that well let me i guess give you a little history first i kind of want to summarize it with a brief poem that i've written i call it the bully i am a child my spirit is broken though unseen by all i am a child alone powerless i seek those different than i to tease and torment to push and shove to belittle i watch as they crumble weakened and without understanding now we are the same gosh that one just gave me chills all over my body that is the key right there that poem you just said it all yeah the poem really is bringing someone else down to the level that we as bullies feel it took me decades to understand why i bullied because no one in my early years ever took the time to help me you know no one recognized that my behavior was a direct result of things that happening in my life you know a little history here is um most of us who are parents and work with kids know that those first six years draw a sense of trust and security in the world and if we don't feel safe things can go awry and that in my case is what started this when i was born i had a bum right arm and the doctors had given my mother some physical therapy exercises to do and she did them and it worked and it healed my arm but i paid a price she told me a few years before she passed that i screamed through that torture for 6 months you know i realized right then that that's why i had such a fractured sense of security my mother who should have been teaching me trust the world whom i should have been forming an attachment with instead taught me the world was not safe that it was full of pain she told me i screamed every time she did the work I think most of us know that when attachment isn't formed within that first 6 months of life, life becomes more of a challenge unless work is done to consistently teach trust. In my case it wasn't. Such things weren't even heard of in the 60s. On top of that, or perhaps as a direct result of that physical therapy, I had multiple sensory issues. You know, we weren't really informed about back then, but I rocked my body. I had to have heavy coats my clothes had to feel just right but i think the biggest thing that led to my being bullied at home was that i was terrified of loud noises and thunderstorms and the worst thing was having my hair washed 
My mother would attempt to soothe me when I was young, but I screamed through the whole hair washing thing. And when I got older, you know, and I was tall enough, she leaned me over the sink and had my older siblings pin me down so that she could wash my hair. I screamed like I was dying. And those kind of fears just provided my siblings who were much older, the perfect opportunity to tease me. And every time I was teased, I went into this violent emotional meltdown. I'd take my shoes off and I'd throw them or I'd run to the silverware drawer and throw knives and forks, whatever I could get my hands on. Mm -hmm. You know, and they would find it funny and they would continue to laugh and mock me while I was doing this. My parents would have to intervene and they had no clue what was going on. And my dad, he didn't understand at all. And he just would yell at my mother that I belonged in a mental institution, you know? And mm. other times he just outright asked me, are you mental? And I mm. thought, well, maybe I was, you know, I mm -hmm. didn't know. And I kept all of this stuff from my friends. When I was eight, I had this best friend who lived across the river. And I spent all my weekends there because I thought it was safer and wasn't picked on. I was accepted. I was part of their family. But unfortunately, you know, that's where the sexual abuse began. So mm -hmm. even there, I wasn't safe. But I didn't know that. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't know I was supposed to tell anyone. Didn't even know it was wrong. So a couple of years when that started happening in my neighborhood, I just kept quiet and let it happen. And what should have happened here, you know, was that my behavior at school should have put up a huge red flag warning that something was wrong. So I go back and I look at my early years because my mother had saved all my report cards from back then. And it was clear that my behavior had changed right around the third grade when I was eight. I lacked consideration for others. I needed to settle down. I wasn't doing my best work, et cetera, et cetera. I don't recall anyone ever trying to find out what was happening to me. Nobody did anything. You know, I started bullying others who were different than me, and I started to treat them in a way that would cause them to feel how I was feeling. I was punished. And from that day forward, over the next few weeks, I was kept inside during recess and made to copy the dictionary. And I copied that dictionary word for word because I was worried that if I missed anything, she would notice. But what happened when I got to the letter M was even worse. You know, she approached me and picked up this thick stack of yellow lined paper with all the work I had done and tore it in front of me and sent me outside. So what happened mm. here was that I teased her, I was punished for it, and then I was punished again for doing the work that I was told to do. Mm -hmm. So that same year in a different class, I started to find other kids different from me to pick on. I just went up to him and slammed him into that window and cut his head and he was bleeding and crying. And that's all I remember of that incident. I don't remember what happened next. The image just sticks in my head of him throwing his arm up to the back of his head and coming back with blood. Do you think you were just trying to make him feel the pain that you were feeling? You were trying to off put your pain onto somebody else? I mean, that's what it appears looking back, just that I had all this anger that I didn't know and I was in such internal pain that I had to get it out somehow. And I didn't know how because I was a child, you know, by then I was only 10 in the fifth grade. 
This kind of behavior continued through high school and junior high school, and I was even bullying teachers. I got suspended once for bullying a teacher, and it wasn't really until my senior year there was one teacher, and I'll never forget her. We became friends after I graduated, but she took the time to look at my work and give me all this positive praise and see that I had some talent there in writing. and. All of a sudden, I just kind of turned myself around and I worked harder. My behavior improved. I made the honor roll for the first time. And this was the teacher that I tortured back in the ninth grade. She still turned around when I had her as a senior and helped. Pretty amazing. Yeah, it is, you know, and that's all it took back then. But things didn't really change completely for me until after the adoption of my two boys 20 years later. One of them had behaviors that reminded me of myself. He'd have these meltdowns. He had all these sensory issues. And it just triggered for me and sent me back to that time. And I found myself screaming at them. And then I was throwing things at the wall and punching walls. And I honestly thought I was heading for a nervous breakdown. So I got myself into counseling. And it was there that I became aware of what was happening that I had all this anger from my childhood that had never been resolved. And not everyone is fortunate enough to be able to do this. Not everyone seeks help. And I think that's why we see these people escalate today. I hadn't gotten any help when I was young, and now I had to be the one to fix myself. That doesn't need to be the case today. We're more educated, we're more aware of what can happen and does happen to kids but we aren't always helping the ones who most need the help. It's obvious that the victims of bullying need help, but it has to be obvious that the bullies are in desperate need of some kind of intervention. And it takes time, it takes effort, it takes stepping outside of our comfort zone. It's thoughtfully responding and not reacting to the situation. And I mean that in figuring out what's going on with this person who is acting up and not just punishing, but asking why. We're so used to addressing the effects of a lot of the issues that we're seeing in schools, not just bullying, but substance abuse and suicide. And when you focus on something, it grows. And that's exactly what we've seen happen with all of this. And mm -hmm. So your story is such a beautiful example that that bullying behavior comes from somewhere. And bullying had a lot to do with what happened with Adam Lanza and why he did what he did ultimately in the Sandy Hook tragedy, which was murdering mm -hmm. 20 first graders and six educators. It really disappointed me when the official, and I use air quotes, uh, statement <laughs> was there was no sign of bullying, right? Because I had a education student literally stand up in a class that I was presenting the Choose Love movement to. And he said he went to school with Adam and he watched him be bullied and he never did anything but he felt bad about that and he carried that with him and that was why he was going to become an educator because he was going to do something and he was going to be part of the solution. And so I think that it's really important that we change the dialogue that we have and the understanding that we have around bullying 
As Dr. Brene Brown says, it's easier to inflict pain than it is to feel pain. And I think that's a really good understanding of why a bully behaves the way that he does. And it's also really interesting to acknowledge, <laughs> we all know this, but bullying doesn't just happen in schools. It happens as adults. Right. I mean, I was bullied in school, and it's interesting you remember those moments. I had a neighbor boy that literally caged me on the playground in between the stands of a basketball hoop, and he wouldn't ever let me outside of that during recess. It terrified me. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, later in life, I've been bullied as well. You know, I've had people say things to me at work that were inappropriate. And then, of course, being a Sandy Hook victim's parent, we've got the conspiracy theorists who say things that are threatening. And it's amazing to me that that haven't really handled it the correct way through our anti-bullying programs and through legislation no. by focusing on the issue. Right. Right, we haven't, we're not helping the people. Everyone who is mean to someone else is hurting in some kind of way. And they may not even realize it, you know, they may not even notice that they're hurting or they don't want to admit that they are. But when you look at the statistics, I love what you said, hurt people, hurt people. The majority of bullies are bullied themselves, exactly. either at home or in their environment. I thought that that was a very interesting statistic. You know, mm -hmm. Einstein said doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is the definition of crazy, something like right. that. And I, you know, I look at the things that we're doing and the programming that we have in place and it's not working. Yep, it's still giving punishment consequences and not really looking at the reason behind the behavior. Right, and when you look at social and emotional learning, of which Choose Love is a program, we know that it is actually statistically effective. It's evidence-based and researched to show that it does reduce and prevent bullying and substance abuse, suicide, you know, all of these issues that we've been tackling since I was a child, but now we're at epidemic proportions, we have a solution. It's just kind of stepping outside of our comfort zone, the way we've usually been doing things, which is addressing the effects and actually being proactive and preventative and addressing the cause. You yes. cannot be talking about a solution unless you're addressing the cause of the issue. And for too long, we've been addressing the effects. And so it's time for a change. And I think that your story and our podcast is gonna help get that message out into the world. Yeah, I hope. I do too. You do learn a lot through challenges and roadblocks and difficulties in your life. And I'm also thinking about what happens and what cultivates a bully into trying to inflict their pain. But that's just not understanding really some of the basic lessons that social and emotional learning teaches you. And, you know, we really can grow through our difficulty and pain when we have this foundation of learning. It's called post-traumatic growth. And I've experienced it. One of the most important lessons I've learned is that there are only two kinds of people. There are good people 
and they're good people in pain. And there's always something that we can do to help ease that pain. And the other thing that I've learned is that we're all here to help one another. Literally, that's why we're on this earth, is to help one another. I mean, we're actually created with mirror neurons. We're, we're born to connect with one another. But it's interesting that we don't really have all of the skills and tools that we need to do that in healthy and meaningful ways. And we have to learn those things. We're at a point, we're ready to learn that kind of stuff because there's so much awareness. We're at a point where we have to learn that right. stuff. Absolutely. And, and yeah. I think we're at a point where we understand what happens when we don't learn that stuff. We're looking at what happens in schools and in our society. We're watching these issues escalate right. and we have right. the solution right in front of us with decades of research. We just have to have the courage to implement it and we have to garner the energy that it takes to practice these skills and tools because social emotional learning is not a program which denotes beginning and end. I mean, it is programming that's brought into the school, but really it's practice. Mm -hmm. And it's something that we have to practice every single day. And even when you think you've mastered it, and of course we teach the formula for choosing love, which is courage plus gratitude plus forgiveness, really important, plus compassion and action equals choosing love. And even when you've mastered that, which, you know, I talk about it every single day. I certainly practice it every day. I know tomorrow there's going to be a, some sort of circumstance or instance that comes up where I am going to be challenged on right. choosing love and I may not do it. And, you know, I've gotten to the point where when I don't, it doesn't feel good. And I know what I have to do to get back on track and to feel good because really bullies don't feel good. They're in pain. That is one thing that we all know. And so right. what is the source of that pain? Instead of focusing on the behavior, we've got to find out what the source of that pain is to be able to solve that issue. And when we wait till we're adults, like I had to, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, I started counseling back in 2001 and I'm back in counseling today because things get triggered and you realize you still have more work to do and you have to be willing as an adult to do that work. It's not easy. I feel so strongly about healing and getting the word out that we've got to help people when they're young, when this stuff happens. It's so true. It's not easy ever. But I think it's obviously better to deal with it when kids are young and then they don't take that pain into adulthood. And by the way, you know, it can impact us all. If you open the paper and read about some things that are going on in our country and you realize that there's a lot of pain out there, there are a lot of issues out there. And being able to take a child and go to the cause of their pain and deal with it then would prevent someone from perhaps, you know, renting a hotel room in Las Vegas and taking an arsenal of guns and mass murdering so many people. Yes. It comes out later. I used to think, well, you know, we have these issues when we're kids and then they, you know, well, then you become an adult. And I remember actually becoming adult and actually being at work and being bullied, seeing some bullying behavior and going, oh my God, I can't believe this happened 
when you're an adult too. Right. <laughs> I know you right? would think it would stop, but it just, you know, unless you recognize it and get help, it, it doesn't. Yeah. Even JT, my son had experienced some bullying behavior. Someone had threatened his life at Newtown High School and it was so interesting. And this was after the tragedy. I remember three pages they had of consequences and it would escalate as you went through the pages. And really all it was, was the boy that was doing the bullying behavior was having issues at home. And that finally came out when I demanded that they find out what was going on right. in his home life instead of just issuing consequences. So anyway, Debbie, thank you so much for having the courage to share your story with us, to give us some insight into a former bully. I know everyone has walked away with something. And also the fact that the journey continues, right? It's, right. That it's always an effort. You always have to be aware. You always have to look at yourself. It's a practice. I tell my team this, we do a lot of personal development and we have homework. And I say, you know, happiness takes effort. It does. <laughs> you, know, it does. It, you know, we have a negative bias that we're born with and comes from scanning for saber-toothed tiger days. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we naturally tend to look for the negative. The majority of our thoughts every day are negative. So it actually takes effort to step outside of that and be positive. And we can rewire our brains through neuroplasticity to be positive people, but it takes effort. And so I think your story is incredible and you had incredible courage to share it. The poem was absolutely beautiful and I can't wait to get this out there to shed insight and to literally help those kids and adults who are lashing out and wanting to off put their pain on others so that they can be more understood and even helped. Right. So I think we've gone a long way in that. Thank you so much, Debbie. You're welcome, Scarlett. And thank you for having me. Thank you all for joining us for this episode. Remember the importance of thoughtfully responding in any situation, circumstance with love. Love is kindness, caring, concern, compassion. When we do that, we take our personal power back. We make the world a better place. When we react with anger, hatred, and revenge, we are literally giving our personal power away and becoming victims. So I challenge you today to go out and choose love. If you see someone that perhaps is being unkind, ask them how they are and what you can do to help ease their pain. Thank you for choosing love. Hey, hey, oh. It's all part of us. We can all choose love in a